Kokomo Gardens. Do all the things you wanted to do all summer, all day, all night. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Call 1-800-441-4410 for reservations at Pocono Gardens and beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. Hello and welcome to another episode of FW Presents, the omnibus show for the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly, and we're here for another installment of my beloved Mountain Comics. And joining me this time is our pal, Michael Bailey. Hello, Mike. Hey, Rob. How's it going? <laughs> you sound so excited to be here. No, I, I was just, I was flipping through this book, and there's an, uh, a Mario Brothers ad in the inside cover. Right. Uh, and I'm so I'm singing it in my head. I got distracted a okay, little bit. Okay, fair so enough, I, fair I, enough. I apologize for that. No, I'm very excited, uh, not only to be talking to you, but to be talking about one uh, my third favorite superhero. Interesting. Well, the, yeah, uh, the, the book in question is, uh, the superhero in question, I should say, is The Incredible Hulk. The comic in question is The Incredible Hulk number 301. This was a book that I bought off the stands in the Poconos while we were on vacation. It was on sale August 7th, 1984. And it just occurred to me, not just occurred to me, but as I was doing the prep for this episode, I don't think in the, I don't know, I think I've recorded 500 podcasts at this point between all the shows I've done and then all the ones I've done with Chag and then all the guest appearances. I don't think I've ever really had a chance to mention the Hulk before. I, I mean, I must have mentioned him in passing, but I've, he's never been the focus of any podcast I've ever done. Uh, I love the Hulk. I grew up, he was one of my favorite characters. I mean, the TV show, I had the toys. I mean, I was all in for the Hulk. Yeah, that uh, that Mego figure was oh, yeah. omnipresent, and uh, like you, I you know it's it's the holy trinity of heroes for me is you know in the name of the Superman, the Batman, and the Incredible Hulk, uh, and it was it was all because of television. Yeah, uh, though it was funny because I remember uh, right around this time period actually that this book came out. I was uh, we were at the the pharmacy in Mountaintop, Pennsylvania. Uh, which is right above Wilkesbury, and it's pronounced Wilkesbury, folks. If you ever see it and think it's pronounced Wilkes Bar, just, <laughs> yeah, just, no. just move on. Um, <laughs> and, and there was an issue of Marvel Saga on the second issue of Marvel Saga on the spinner rack, and I grabbed it because it had the Hulk on the cover. And I go, Dad, it has the origin of the Hulk. And he looks at me and goes, Son, that, that's origin. Oh. Well, it has the origin of the Hulk. I want this. So, and that's when I discovered that there was a difference uh, between that and the animated series from 82. I, I knew there was a difference between TV and comics. Right. And I was okay with that as a kid. Like, uh, like the Incredible Hulk television series is grandfathered in with me. Sure. Where it doesn't have to be, you know, like slavish to the original source material because it's such a pivotal part of my childhood. Uh, that's and good lord, we're coming up on the 40th anniversary of the pilot. Ugh. <laughs> Man, <laughs> we're old, Rob. That's that's. that's I'm not going to pull a, a David A. Gutierrez and, and and say you're on a walker, but uh, but 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 we're old. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, he said it was. I I it was one of my favorite comics growing up. I I read the magazine. I bought the Rampaging Hulk magazine. In fact. Uh, there, I'm going to do a, eventually an episode of Mountain Comics on an issue of Rampaging Hulk. I mean, I always loved it. It was, it was, it was always one of my favorite Marvel characters. So I'm kind of amazed that I've just never had a chance to really talk about it to this point. But, uh, but here we go. This is, as I said, this is Incredible Hulk number 301. It was on sale August 7, 1984. The cover is by Bill Sienkiewicz, and it is an amazing cover. 
Um, but before we get to that, we, I do want to provide a little bit of context for this story. There had been a storyline running which culminated in issue number 300 where Nightmare, Doctor Strange's old foe Nightmare, basically gets inside the Hulk's head and sort of, I'm trying to remember exactly, I have to, I'd have to go back and reread the issues, but he messes with Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. And sort of like, rem- he doesn't remove Bruce Banner from the Hulk, but he like buries him in the Hulk's subconscious. And so he turns the Hulk into like just a raging id. And so for like issues 299 and 300, the Hulk is just on the loose, completely unmoored from any of the humanity that he was, that people were familiar with. There's a great moment, I think in number 300, where the Hulk slaps a guy, a regular human. And he, and like you hear the, the, the narrator says something like you hear the, the sound of bones snapping. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's a great moment. And so the Hulk is just in completely insane. And it takes half the Marvel universe to deal with him. And issue number 300 ends with Dr. Strange transporting the Hulk into this sort of nether world, never, quote unquote, never to return. And that was the big culmination of number 300. Cause you're like the Hulk just can't, he's like, Dr. Strange is like the Hulk cannot be allowed to be around people ever again. So I'm just going to banish him to this dimension. And that's where number 301 picks up, but it's, it's a, it's a great storyline. It's written by Bill Mantlo, which is, this issue was also written by Bill Mantlo, drawn by Sam Buscema and Gary Tallock. I love I think we thought it was a great storyline. Oh yeah, the, that whole lead up from 272 to 300 because it's right after he gets back from space and meeting Rocket Raccoon uh, out in uh, the Hulk was in outer space. Suddenly, Bruce Banner was in control of the Hulk's body, and you have this whole storyline where he becomes a hero. He's pardoned by the President of the United States. <laughs> uh, they, Alicia Masters sculpts a statue of him in adamantium. Oh, right, uh, right, right, yeah. And, you know, he, he's going back and forth and back and forth, you know, like, he, you know, fighting old foes. He goes up against the leader at one point. There's a story that actually ties into Rampaging Hulk uh, that lasts a couple of issues. But everything from, like, 290 up to 300 was him slowly losing control. And the coolest thing about that is if you look at those covers... The Hulk, you know, they had the picture of the Hulk on the cover because that's what Marvel did at the time. And for the longest time, it was the Hulk in, like, a lab coat and purple pants. And over the course of those ten issues, he starts going savage on the cover in the logo. And it's this really cute trick. And then he goes off to Secret Wars and he comes back and he's all pissed off. And he's got a cast on his leg. Because he got injured during the Secret Wars. Right. God, I love that story. Yeah. I just love these books. Oh man! And three hundred. You 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 consider uh, Justice League of America number two hundred one of the greatest works of literature and Western civilization. <laughs> yes. uh, I will not put Hulk three hundred at that level, but I'll put it up there. It's good. It's, it's really fun. It's just. It's just. I mean. Power Man and Iron Fist and Spider Man and the Thor and it's just like and Sal Buscema just drew the hell out of that issue. Yeah. So ah, uh, sorry. They mean to go off there. I was no, just no, no. It's it is. It's a terrific story. And I remember what you were talking about that the cover corner symbol changes every month. I thought that was such a great little detail. Uh, and I thought this was such a neat idea that like you know think about if you're a villain, what better way to f with the Marvel universe than to just let loose on the Hulk? 
mm-hmm. you know, because then, then, then they have to do the rest of the heroes have to deal with it. So it's it's terrific. And so this issue is the first one where Hulk is sort of at this netherworld. The story is called Crossroads. The as I mentioned, the covers by Bill Sienkiewicz. It's a great cover. It's just a super savage looking Hulk fighting some crazy creature. And if you just if you want to have somebody draw just a crazy monster that looks like some, something out of your nightmares, you're going to get Bill Sienkiewicz. So it's mm-hmm. it's a there's no trade dress. It's just the logo. There's no story points or anything. It's just the, the drawing. I love it. I think it's it's really great. Oh yeah, I I'm not a big Sienkiewicz fan uh, with some with some, but this it's just so perfect because that nightmare image was uh, was is just crazy. Yeah, that's great stuff. Really great stuff. So the story, as I mentioned, is called Crossroads by Bill Mantlo, Sal Buscema, and Gary Tallock. Uh, after being banished to another dimension by Doctor Strange, the Incredible Hulk finds himself at literally a crossroads. There's some sort of signpost that indicates the multitude of directions a traveler can go, but the enraged Hulk doesn't like it and smashes it out of the way. Some small glowing orbs suddenly appear and try to communicate with this strange green-skinned creature. They try and talk to the Hulk, and in response, he punches one of them, which only turns it into one more of the same creature. With now thousands of these little things talking all at once, the Hulk gets even more mad and sucks them up using his powerful lungs and then blows them into a nearby portal. That's his super breath, I guess. Hulk then mindlessly wanders into another portal, which drops him into a water world. He is attacked by an octopus-like creature, which responds to the Hulk's punching by hurling him back out of the portal. Waiting for him are the glowing orbs once again, who want to study the Hulk. Irritated, he wanders into yet another portal, which shows an Earth-like place in the middle of an armored war. This is something the Hulk is familiar with, so he plops himself down, leans against the wall, and the war rages around him. Watching this from Earth is Doctor Strange, who is the one who banished Hulk to this place. He is still unsure he has done the right thing, and his thoughts turn to his friend, Bruce Banner. The Hulk spies something else he is familiar with, people. But when he gets closer, he sees that people aren't real. They're merely fakes posed to resemble humans. In frustration, he smashes them into bits and then finds himself attacked by the very tanks and jets around him. After a few minutes of fighting, the Hulk grabs one of the planes and sees it is powered by strings. He pulls on the strings, only to be lifted into the air by a giant purple being who resembles a child. We pan out and see that we are in this being's room, and the entire city the Hulk has been rampaging through looks like a playset for action figures. The child is charmed by the little green toy and lowers the Hulk back onto the ground while he gets up and leaves. A glimmer of understanding crosses the Hulk's face. He returns to the crossroads, looking for another path to choose. And that's the end of the story. Um, Now, obviously, Bill Mantlo had seen the Twilight Zone episode, Stop Over in a Quiet Town. Yeah, <laughs> directly lifted from it. I didn't know that at the time. I hadn't seen that episode. Now that I've seen that episode, that's a terrific episode of Twelve Zone. It's one of my favorites. It doesn't matter to me at all whether Mantlo was homaging it or merely ripping it off. I don't care. I love this story. I think it's creepy and, and all the all the Warren words. Creepy, eerie. It's all those things. I love the idea of the Hulk just wandering around like an animal and then getting turned into basically a plaything. I, I think it's just a terrific one-off story. It's it's whimsical, really, towards the end, because after the seriousness of the Hulk losing his humanity and trashing New York City, you know, we we have him, you know, getting thrust against that like octopus creature uh, who just spits him out, essentially, because he just doesn't agree with him. 
And then, you know, he, you know, these orbs are following him and we're going to get a little more kind of weirdness with that, with the three creatures that start following him around uh, in the issues to come. But the whole thing of the kid, basically, this is like this kid's Christmas morning. Right. Because if you look at the background, when they pull out and pull back, the camera pulls back and you see like this is his room and there's a dartboard and there's pennants with alien lettering on the walls. There's this creepy clown that this kid probably wakes up screaming to every night. <laughs> uh, you know, he's got, he's got Rom space Knight in the uh, toy chest and there's a Christmas tree or what looks like a Christmas tree in the background. Oh, there is, isn't there? I never noticed that before. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and I just, Great. I just love that. He's just all excited because he thinks his uncle put it, put this toy into his play set. And he's just like, okay, I'm going to go off and play, and I'll come back and rebuild everything, and you can trash it again. And the Hulk's just like, uh-huh. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a great issue. Such just fun, really, more than anything, with some great artwork. Yeah, I like the idea that the, 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 the creature is not threatening to the Hulk. It's just a kid. Yeah. You know, I think that, and it reminds me of myself Christmas morning. There's a picture of me, which I've posted on Facebook a bunch of times, of me at Christmas putting together my Death Star playset, and off to the side is my 12-inch Beagle Hulk. So, you know, I'm pretty close to this kid. I mean, the, um, the episode that this is particularly homaged from, which is, again, Stop Over in a Quiet Town, is much more ominous. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's a couple that gets drunk at a party. They wake up in bed, and they're like, how the hell did we get here? And then everything they see in the town is fake. And then they find out that they are just merely the playthings of this little uh, alien-type child, although it looks kind of hum- it looks more humanoid in, in that story. But that has a much more ominous cast to it because they're kind of in like a nightmare. Uh, and you don't get the sense that um, the way the episode ends, that they're ever going to get home, that they're trapped there forever for whatever reason. And these, these two people aren't, aren't bad. Um, in fact, it's, uh, you know, one of the, the actor, the, the, the husband in it is the same actor who played uh, Ullman in The Shining. It's the same, same actor. But I also played uh, James Bond on television in the 1950s. And uh, it's, it's that, that episode's much darker. This is much more, as you say, much more whimsical because obviously it's the Hulk. You know he's going to get out of it. But the, this, this, this kid isn't trying to kill the Hulk or he actually, he's delighted by the Hulk. He thinks he's, as he says, he calls him cute. So it does have a much more kind of lighthearted thing and I love you mentioned the artwork. It's it's Sal Buscema, pretty underrated. I think mm-hmm. he's an artist, very dependable. I think some of his inkers some of he got some not so great inkers and some better inkers here and there. But I, you know, he was he did a great Hulk. I love the way he drew the Hulk. And I love in the the panel where the Hulk is just standing on the uh in the city watching the kid leave and he looks just kind of like his shoulders are kind of slumped over. He just looks like utterly baffled. He's just kind of like Ugh. Like, you know, just doesn't understand what's going on. I think it's it's really nicely drawn by Buscema. So, uh, Sal's Hulk is my Hulk. I, 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 there are plenty of Hulk artists that I appreciate. You know, going back from to Jack Kirby and Herb Trimpey. You know, going forward, Dale Keown. Uh, pro, you know, for such a short run, has some really memorable take on the character. Uh, I even liked Adam Kubert's run in Peter David's later issues. Uh, he had a really interesting take on the creature, but Sal, it's just, there's something about the way he would draw the Hulk just enraged. That is classic to me. And you're right. I think he's extremely underrated. And I think that's because he was so dependable. 
I think it's because he was so omnipresent, especially in the 70s, because whenever they needed a fill-in artist, they got Sal Buscema. And then they would stick some crap inker on him, and it would kind of ruin his line work. And that kind of happened to him all the way up through the latter issues that he did of Spectacular Spider-Man around the Clone Saga, mm-hmm. where I forget who they had inking him, but it just wasn't really right for him. But I, uh, you know, there, there's a there's a Facebook group called Our Pal Sal uh, <laughs> that is just all about, po- you know, pus- putting up. Uh, uh, salvage some artwork. As a matter of fact, I plunked down the cash for, they've done a couple different editions of this, but it's, it's not the artist editions that IDW is doing, mm-hmm. but it's something similar. And it's Sal Buscema's incredible Hulk. And it's this oversized hardcover book. Wow. That is just, that has like a, just selections of his run on the Hulk. And when you blow that artwork up to that size, and do some really nice digital coloring on it. It looks amazing. Hmm. It's it's it, it it. I had to save up for it. I'm not I'm not a money bags, but <laughs> I, I had to get that because it was Sal's Hulk. Interesting. So. Yeah, I like I like the uh, the kind of brutish uh, face that Buscema gives the Hulk. It gives him like this kind of sloped brow and this sort of very big uh, the the little nasal labial trough thing that he's got. Like it's really like he lo- the Hulk is definitely humanoid. But he's got just more of a brutish appearance, which I kind of like. I mean, the opening splash page is terrific, where he's standing in front of this tree-type thing where all the hands are pointed in different directions. Uh, I think it's kind of funny that one of the arms you see pointing kind of looks like the thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if it's supposed to be that or it's just you know just going for different tones. But I, I almost wonder, is this something from the Hulk's imagination? And so, of course, he sees hand looking like the thing but it's a it's a great splash page it's got all these all these different parallel little portals and all the portals are mouths mm-hmm. which is even more kind of just weird and they have like these fangs on them so all that looks great i love when he smashes the tree out of the way i love him with the little little uh, light creatures the octopus sequence is great just that sort of one page with the octo one and a half page with the octopus layout wise it's terrific i mean we we saw the stuff with the hulk i love when he wanders into the war you know, sort of the war uh, town and he sits down and then we get that cut of Dr. Strange and it's a full page shot of Dr. Strange basically straddling the, the, the mm-hmm. lower panel. Uh, I think that is great. I just looks, it's in the layouts are really, really nice of Busem. I just did it again. I, I, I liked him enough as, as a kid, but now that I'm older, I really do appreciate both him, but him and his brother, man, they were just terrific artists. His Doctor Strange has a real Paul Smith vibe to it, mm. uh, which is appropriate because I think this was the era that Roger Stern and Paul Smith were on that book, uh, which I've always it. wanted to. Che- I've always wanted to check that run out, but just I, I am a fan when an artist can have a character break the fourth wall, so to speak, and having Doctor Strange's leg straddling the panel. And then splitting up the two panels below it yep. is just, I am in awe of the way this man can lay out a page. And what I love more than anything is the Hulk in this issue looks different than the Hulk from 10 issues before because he's completely savage. Mm-hmm. So he's got a kind of a different look. Uh, you, um, you mentioned that Twilight Zone episode. It kind of reminded me of another one where that guy wakes up in the town and it's full of, like, dummies. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and it turns out that he's in a you know like a nuclear test site essentially um man i could talk about twilight zone all day so i'm gonna veer off from that but that kind of reminded me when he comes across you know the the figures basically in the running position and he's just had enough of everything it's just oh man this i i really appreciate the fact that you gave me an excuse to read this again (laughs) Because it, I was sitting at lunch today reading it just with this huge grin on my face. Like, man, I just want to read the rest of this because eventually we get Mike Mignola artwork uh, in the next couple of issues. Yeah, uh, there's which... a lot of good stuff coming up with the Hulk. Yeah, Mignola does it, and then Byrne takes over for that brief mm-hmm. run. There's a lot of really good stuff. I'm, I'm kind of amazed that I bought this uh, on the, at the, up in the Poconos because I would have thought that, although, you know what, it may have just been that it was finally on sale because I, I bought the Hulk pretty regularly. So this must have been one of those ones where I was like, oh, I got to get it. And it's funny, you know, we're talking, uh, this is 1984, so we're talking 33 years ago. I still remember what store I got this from. I I remember which of the newsstands up in the Poconos uh, had it. And there was one that was basically the closest to our cabin, and that was the one I stopped at. And they had this great wall with with wire racks attached to it, and it was like, three three or four comics wide and like 10 high and i would just go through all those books and i remember i remember buying this hulk comic from that rack and when i went up there two years ago when when darlin tracy and i made a trip up there after 25 years um i stopped in that store the store's still there it doesn't sell comics anymore and it's been renovated into more like a quickie mart type type deal but i was still sort of thrilled to be in that same airspace you know i was like yeah. wow this is the same place that i bought these comics and so i i remember pulling this one off the stands and i loved it and it said it's just such a beloved book as it's and you know obviously mantlo couldn't keep doing this and he didn't in terms of like these little one-offs because you get tired you would get tired of this very quickly of the hulk just sort of meandering around and nothing really happening to him but as a as a first issue after the culmination of number 300 it's it's a great little one-off story there is a a, a cool set of stories uh, a couple issues down the road from here that i got as a giant pack of comics that the sears catalog used to carry uh the Sears Wish Book for years had a pack of Marvel books. They would pa- they would basically get two months worth of a bunch of Marvel titles. And I remember this was a, this was the Christmas of '85, uh, the the uh, hallowed superpowers Christmas, ah. uh, where I got all my toys. But one of the one of the presents I opened was this box of comics. So we're talking probably about thirty you know thirty five books. And there were two issues of the Hulk from this particular storyline where he gets involved with this uh, girl that's being sacrificed in front of this medieval looking town. And it turns out that there's this old Scottish guy that got sucked into this dimension and he's basically taken over this town. So you have this kind of science fiction, but at the same time, it looks medieval. Hmm. And he actually turns back to Bruce Banner during this this part of the story and then turns back into the Hulk, of course. But it's just there were some neat one offs. But you're right. When he got into the more kind of like, you know, two, three issue runs, it's uh, Manlo to me is one of the most underappreciated Hulk writers. Because, you know, Peter David gets, you know, Peter David was on it for 12 years. So obviously there's respect to be paid there. Wow, he was on it that long? 
Yeah, he was on it from 87 to 98. Yeah, about wow. 86, 87 to 98. So, uh, but Manlo was on it for for over 50 issues. And as a Hulk writer, that's actually a pretty good run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he took the character in so many different directions because he took it out of that let's just ape the television series by having the Hulk go from town to town and get into trouble and actually put him on a path where he was just doing extended storylines. And I think by this point, he had taken the character all the way of where he could take it as a writer. And, you know, he leaves after this storyline to go over to Alpha Flight. Right. Uh, He and Byrne traded books, if I remember correctly. But yeah, those two books were, uh, were, were part of that, I was actually looking at those covers recently because I'm waxing nostalgic because (laughs) uh, just on that era and everything. And you talk about remembering where you bought comics. Uh, The Triangle Pharmacy in Mountaintop was where I got most of my comics. And I can tell you everywhere in that pharmacy that spinner rack sat, you know, during the time (laughs) I lived there from in front of the from in front of the, the front register to... They had a downstairs that was basically a toy shop. Nice. Uh, and I remember, because this was 84, so they had all the Transformers lining the wall as you went down. And I have this vivid memory of going down there, looking at the spinner rack, and picking up Hulk 390, uh, 293. And it's this cover where he's fighting the thing. And I literally read that book to where I had to staple it back together. <laughs> I don't have that book anymore, and I hate that because even though it's it, it's all it was like literally falling apart, and I stapled it back together, I still love that story. So reading this kind of reminded me of that too. So oh, that's great. Yeah. This, this 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 was a very satisfying experience, is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's it. It's this was a really good run of Hulk stuff. I, I for whatever reason I just haven't. I, I liked it as a kid, and then I sort of just forgot about it or whatever. But I, going back, it makes me want to go read the rest of these because this was this was just terrific. And no one, I this must have been one that I probably read a ton uh, when I was up at the the Poconos because again, it's a one and done, so you can sort of you know you get a complete meal out of it as opposed to just a continued thing. But yeah, it was a, it's it's one of my it's it's funny I've used. Um, when I, when I decided to go back and, and find these old mountain comics again, I used Mike's Amazing World, and I you know used that awesome newsstand feature mm-hmm. where you can plug in when things are on sale. And I'm like, well, all right, if it was on sale, uh, if it was cover dated November uh, of any year, that's when I would have been able to get it at the Poconos because that's three months ahead, August. And I would plug it in, and if there was a cover, like if there was a book that I bought, it immediately registered with me. Like I just, my eye would go right to it, and I'd be like, "Oh, that one! Oh, that one!" Even, even, like, <laughs> even Archie's, which are you know cover-wise pretty indistinct from one another, they're just there's something about the contours of the lines that were burned into my brain. And so when I was doing, you know, purchasing of these Hulk com- of these uh, mountain comics, this, this Hulk one was like, "Oh my God, that one! I had that one, yeah!" And so I actually found this at the Heroes Con. And uh, I was going to buy it on eBay a while back, and then I couldn't find it for anything less than, like, I don't know, seven or eight bucks. And I was like, well, it's shipping. And now, like, and I just I put it off. And then when, when I was at Heroes Con, I found it in a dollar box. I was like, oh. whoop, there we go. Perfect. So <laughs> That was meant to happen. Meant to happen. <laughs> perfect. I absolutely love this book. So, yeah, it's terrific. And if any of you listening haven't seen 
the Twilight Zone episode, Stop Over in a Quiet Town, which is season five. Uh, it's all the Twilight Zones are on uh, Netflix, and I think they're on Hulu, too. Uh, go check it out. It's a terrific episode, and I love that Mantlo channels it for this story. It's just sort of perfect. I mean, why not? You know, I mean, it's a, it's a classic science fiction, and it, and it fits in well with the Hulk. So, yeah, this is this is just a terrific, terrific comic. So, uh, anything else you want to say about it before we wrap up? Uh, two things. One, you can actually uh, Walmart has the entire Twilight Zone series for fifty bucks, wow. um, which is worth it. And two, all of these stories, that entire thing that I talked about of him becoming a hero and losing it and this, they're all in trade now. They've put collected editions of those out. So these are accessible uh, easily. The only one you're not going to get is the ROM issue because of the rights. <laughs> stupid, um, stupid lawyers. But but the funny thing is, is it's on the DVD that Git Corp put out, uh, where they put out like every Hulk up until issue 100 uh you know where they were running the planet hulk story it's on there so i don't know how that was able to sneak through but uh that's how actually i i kind of read the pdf of that for this so it had all the ads and uh thank you so much rob this was a lot of fun and uh anytime you want to talk hulk i will i will be glad to talk hulk with you good to know like i said i do have other hulk comics uh as part of this mountain comic series so we'll have to get to those down the line so uh excellent very cool so mike uh, where can people find you on the internet sir well now it is a lot easier because thanks to uh you helping me with a logo uh and i appreciate that uh you can find all of my podcasts at the Fortress of Bailey Tude Podcasting Network, located at fortressofbailytude.com. There you can find views from the long box, from crisis to crisis, uh, overlooked dark night. Probably by the time this one comes out, it all comes back to Superman will be a going concern. <laughs> uh, and just all the other shows that, you know, basically it's my catch all. So uh, if I feel like doing something random, I could just do like, you know, you know, Fortress of Bailey Tude presents, you know, right. whatever. But uh, but that's the easiest place to find it because you can because uh, it's got all the links and everything there. So right. and, it, and it's a lot easier just to say that than go through the litany of shows and yeah. links. <laughs> yes. They used to have everything under one roof. And of course, we will have that link in the show notes. Uh, of course, you can find all the previous episodes of the Mountain Comic Series which is part of the FW Presents series on our website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, which is at FW Podcast. So, uh, Mike, thanks again for coming on. I always enjoy talking to you. Oh, this is this is a lot of fun, and I look forward to the song you pick out for the end of this one. Yeah, oh, yeah. For, <laughs> thank you for mentioning that. For people that are wondering why, why are these songs, I am picking a song that was on the radio and was a hit at the time of ah, okay. that is it and so because uh, as i've mentioned in previous episodes um we we didn't have a tv up in the cabin uh, by choice uh the, the cabin didn't come with one and we didn't bring one because it was like well the whole point is to be outside and sit on the porch and go down to the lake not watch tv so we had uh, music and reading material and that's that that's what we had to entertain ourselves uh at these at the cabin and so music is a big part of my memories of, of those times so yeah so that, that's why i ended uh, one episode with sledgehammer and another episode as you mentioned uh, the queen of hearts by juice newton <laughs> love that song love it love it so much <laughs> so so yeah that's why i pick uh, the, the songs have no thematic connection to the books at all it's just what was on the radio what was i hearing 
uh, in my ears when I was buying, probably reading this comic. And so that, that'll be the song that's going to end this episode. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back with another Mountain Comics soon enough. In the meantime, of course, you can get, follow all our shows on our network site, which is firewaterpodcast.com. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we will see you later. Bye. Bye.